so you slept in. Hey, we're not judging. Sometimes you just need to get those Z's. And if you need to snooze, we'd much rather you did it at home in a warm, comfortable bed than in our pews. You can always catch up with the sermon later right here on the Sunday Morning Sleep-In Podcast. Now you're still going to miss out on some things that we think are pretty important, like the support and encouragement of intergenerational community and wonderful kind of corporate music and charming children during children's time. And let us not forget some exemplary coffee and cookies during fellowship time after church. We had root beer floats this week. Oh, you with the bragging. Obviously, everyone, Susan has better food at her church than I do. (laughs) So we can't give you any of that through a podcast, but we will give you what we can. I'm Susan Foster. And I'm Chris Marshall. And we're United Methodist Pastors in Reno, Nevada. We're not theological experts or homiletical harbingers of a new age. We're your average pastors helping our congregations think through life's big questions every week. We started this podcast, so if you're away from home or working or out exploring the beautiful Sierra Nevada on a Sunday morning and you can't make it to church, or maybe maybe you're just sleeping in, you can keep up with some of the ideas floating around the church. Each episode is a conversational version of a sermon we gave on Sunday. And so we just invite you, whatever, wherever you are or whatever you're doing as you listen to this podcast, that you receive it with an open mind and an open heart. And a quick note, we don't really care if you agree with everything we have to say or not. Uh, It's not our goal to indoctrinate you. It's our goal to give you some things to think about in your own life. And our hope is that you will experience the mysterious, loving force in the world we know as God moving in your life as you consider this. So, Chris. So, Susan. I picked Jeremiah 28, 5 through 9 to preach. You know, I bet not a lot of people are familiar with Jeremiah. No. In our churches? No. Well, one of the things I realized is like, you might know Jeremiah's name. You might know Jeremiah 2911 because somebody gave you a t-shirt with that printed on it with an Asian looking tiger. Oh, what is that one? For I know the plans I have um, for you, declares the Lord, which we take out of context constantly. Yes, yes, yes. Well, and, and maybe maybe one might see that in out of context when you consider where we are in Jeremiah mm-hmm. this morning. So, um, so give us the background. What's going on? So Jeremiah 28, um, 5 through 9, it is a throwdown between Jeremiah and another prophet called Hananiah. Oh, Jeremiah and Hananiah. Uh-huh. Just to confuse you a little bit. Yeah. Just, I had to keep looking at the word when I was preaching the sermon, like, what's that guy's name again? Oh, yeah. Hananiah. This is like the gorgeous prophets of wrestling. Like, they're <laughs> about to throw down over. Well, it really, it really, what it really, what we really um, embark on or, or land in, in this text is like in the middle of a scene, right? Okay. So... So Jeremiah, Hananiah has just given a a prophecy prophecy, and I'll tell you what that prophecy is in a little bit. Okay. But Jeremiah walks in and goes, um, in the presence of the priests and all the people who are in the house of the Lord. And he goes, yeah, that he very sarcastically kind of says, um, amen. May the Lord do so about Hananiah's prophecy. Okay. Like, Like, so he gets um, sassy. So may the Lord fulfill the words that you have prophesied and bring back to this place from Babylon all that you say, you know. So uh-huh. it's all set in Babylonian exile. Okay, so half of half of the people half the people have been taken have been taken away. And they were the professionals, they were the skilled right. labor, and the people who are left behind are generally like serfs. 
basically. Right, right. And of course, enough time has passed that some of those serfs have risen in leadership and right. learned things and, you know, that kind of thing. So, but there's still this sense of loss because the, those, the, the rest of us are not here. Right. And Jeremiah is pro- prophesying in the temple. So he's still in, he, they're not in Babylon. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's, yeah. he's back, he's back home. He's back home. And, and he says, basically, he contradicts Hananiah's prophecy. Okay. He says, it isn't gonna, so what Hananiah had prophesied was that in two years, this is all going to be over, folks. And everything's going to go back to everything's as it was. Everything's going to go back as it was. Which is, like, horrible. Because saying, like, everything's going to be fine, it's going to go back the way it was, like, wipes out everything that's happened since the exile, which includes all of those people kind of rising up oh, and but... taking on new positions of leadership and right. becoming skilled labor. And... But, he's also, but he's also saying... He's also, it's sort of that whole, like, um, image of, it's all going to be okay. Yeah, right? everything's like, going to be okay. It's all going to be okay. We don't, in the midst of this, I mean, just to make it more complicated, is that that, that they're both prophesying, not just to the people of Judah, uh-huh. their people, but they're also, there's also representatives of Edom and Moad and Amnon and... Tyre and the other Sidon, because because we also yeah so all the other all the other t- kind of smaller nation states that, that are bordering been, around that have also been taken over by Babylon that have also been conquered by Babylon right and they're all their representatives have come to Judah to have this whole conversation about whether they should rise up or not mm-hmm. you know you might read that Hananiah is saying a we don't need to do that or b we need to do that so that in two years all this happens. This I mean, is there's this is the Ham- this is the Hamilton cabinet battle number one. Right, right, this is, exactly. Yes, right. And a so, farmer refuted. This is this is a farmer refuted. So and then Jeremiah says, "We're under the yoke that God has placed on us. Mm-hmm. We're wearing a yoke of Babylon, and this is who we are, and this is what we should be do where we are, and it, it's going to take a while." And sometimes it, God makes people oppressed, and that's okay with me. That's what the prophet says. That's what Hananiah is saying. No, that's what Jeremiah. That's Jeremiah, what Jeremiah, is Jeremiah is saying that that we are where we are because this is where God needs us to be. Okay. And he's and, and the great picture of this, and it's it's not in that five through nine. It's, it happens a little earlier. Is that Jeremiah is wandering around wearing a yoke? Oh, he's got visual uh, visual. He's got visual aids. aids. Yeah. Right. And at the end of our passage here. Or after our passage here, um, Hananiah's response to Jeremiah doing this throwdown mm-hmm. is that he walks up to Jeremiah and breaks the yoke off his neck. Like it's wow. drama. Yeah. This like is... this is like high, high drama. It is drama. But this is high, high drama in like back in the way old days. So this is high drama before people yeah. got a lot of high drama. Right. Well, or the, before there was television. Right. But it, but it, so so, here's the question: Why do we care now? Right. Yeah. Why why do we care about what Jeremiah said to Hananiah about having an oppressive government? Right. Like, <laughs> what is the correlation, Susan? Well, yeah. Well, there is that, and I didn't quite go there. I did not quite go there. No, because you're a better person than I am. But what I did talk about is that how this is a conversation about how do you know. A prophet. Oh, yeah. How do you tell which one of them is telling the truth? Right. So, and I joked with my congregation that we know who, we know who, beca- who was right. Well, we know who wrote it down. Right. Because his name's on the book. Clearly, clearly it's from Jeremiah's perspective. perspective. Right. But also, I mean, that's, that's, you know, that was the history that was carried forward. Not right. this, like, 
there was this guy and he told us in two years it was going to happen and it did. Everything's going to be okay. okay. Right. And how, how, how does one discern in the moment that you are listening to a true prophet? That's a really great question because we got a lot of loud voices right now shouting from right. a lot of different perspectives. Right. So um, what's your what's your uh, advice? Do you have like criteria? No, I didn't come up with that's you. That's a total you thing. Criteria. I don't, I don't have criteria. Here's your criteria for figuring right. no, out if somebody's no, BS no, in no, your... no. Well, um, but but I pointed out, you know, like here's some folks living in Babylonian rule and us living in our relative freedom. Right. Mm-hmm. I actually use those words because I wanted people to be thinking about the uncomfortableness. Yeah, right? in Trump adjusted terms. Right. Um, and, and how we are often faced with, you know, between differing truth claims. Right. Right. Like that's, that's our reality right now. Like who is actually telling the truth? Where is the truth? Right. How do we choose the charming prophet who tells us everything's going to be all right? Tells us everything we want to hear. Everything we want to hear. You know, are, are we listening to the prophet in an echo chamber? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or the prophet full of doom and gloom. And I'm, I'm sure that Jeremiah and Hannah and I weren't the only prophets. Right. There were probably other guys skirting around the outside, adding their two cents in. Yeah. Or with a completely different vision, like, you know, aliens are going to come get us. Uh, you know, who knows? Um, <laughs> they Roger, just didn't get written Roger down. Morimoto existed back in the day. <laughs> Hi, Roger. Hey, um, Roger. Yeah. I mean, you, you know, well, when you read like the Pseudepigrapha and you hear like, like all the, which is a text that contains contemporaneous writings of to things that are in our in our canon. Yeah. And you go, oh my god, you can totally tell why this didn't make it, right? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. it's it's all the it's all the writings that didn't make the cut and it's uh, really clear why they yeah. didn't make the cut, because some of them are a little bit Right. And and how we're mm. prone to, to select things sometimes I guess I did give some prior criteria, but I didn't lay them out that way, right? Okay. But I did say, you know, are we making a decision based on what we want or what would serve our self interests? Right? Mm-hmm. Are we deciding that that's the, that's the truth? Yeah. Or are we... Um, this is true because I want it to be true. True, right? Like, this is how I want it to end. It sort of reminds me of... And not to Reagan bash because that's been done, but, like, when clearly his Alzheimer's was setting in and mm-hmm. Ronald Reagan wasn't making great decisions, like, the kind of paranoia and skepticism got really high. And so he was able to say, I know what the facts say, but I disagree with them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like... He, he he made a lot of decisions based on that doesn't feel right to me. Yeah, even right. though there were all of these experts around him saying these are the facts, these are the facts, and um, yeah. you know that's that's something right. that is tempting because we want to believe the best. Yeah, um, but that's not always truth. Yeah. And then we add to that whole like self interest thing that desire that we have to be right. Mm. Right. Like, yeah. Like one of the things I'm seeing in our world right now is that I'm willing to go all the way to the wall, even if that wall is going to smush me to prove I'm right. Yeah. Right. Even if I, I will defend this hill to the, the, yeah. To the death. Even if the hill is an anthill. Yeah. And we end up in a mess. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we can relate to the people of Judah and we can relate to the people of these other countries that are like, what do we do? What do we do? Um, where do we go now? And unfortunately, I think the answer is simple and as complicated as it can be, because I think it's a, it's an answer of faith. You know, we live by faith. We take the next step that we think is faithful, and then we wait and take the next one um, until we, we end up where... Until we see where we've ended gonna, up. Yeah. Until we see where we end up, even if we wouldn't have planned it that way. Even yeah. if 
you know, like I think that's well, the hardest that piece. that involves, I mean, going back to your point about like, we will go to the wall um, to be able to admit like we made a mistake. Yeah. We thought this was a faithful step and it wasn't a faithful step. Mm-hmm. And it's hard for me to admit that I was wrong, but the consequences of not admitting that I was wrong are way worse than trying something different. Yeah. We did a baptism. Yes. A baby baptism. And, um, and one of the things I, I, I use that as an illustration. Yeah. Um, so we've done this baptism earlier in the service. And, um, one of the things that when we do an infant baptism, I always like to remind the congregation is that we're making a promise mm-hmm. and we're making a promise to him and to his family, his, his parents, his grandparents, and his, and in this case, his aunt and uncle who are stepping in to be godparents. Right. And we're saying, we believe that God is already working. And that God is asking us to help him identify that, to mm-hmm. be a part of that. And and that um, it's easy to make that when he's a cute little baby. And he was adorable. Let me Aww. tell you. Like, he held my hand while we did the ritual. He held my finger. That's cool. It was so cute. And then I asked for my finger back. And he was like, okay. <laughs> he was old enough to, like, recognize like, you. Like, he's like eight months. Yeah. He yeah, knows yeah, me. Yeah. He, he, he recognizes me. And so he wasn't scary or anything. He knows your voice. He knows my voice. Yes. But, but I, as I, you know, I said to the congregation, this, we're stepping out in faith because I don't think this is going to happen, but he could be a real jerk at five. Yeah. <laughs> right. He could be, you know, he's going to be a difficult teenager or something, you know, like he's going to be, he's going to grow and he's going to He's going to have his quirks and he's going to have, have his failures and he's going to have, have his, all of his yes. stuff. I'm not a prophet, but what I do know is that God's active in his life already and we'll continue to be, and we're going to be a part of that. Which I would argue is a statement of prophecy, but okay. But you know, but you know what I'm saying? Like, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that, that's, I mean, I don't maybe. You're not telling the future. I'm not telling the future. I'm telling what is. Yeah. And um, reminding them of that. that. And, um, and so, you know, it was a tangible example that morning of how we step out in faith. Yeah. Because I think sometimes we think stepping out in faith is like giving away all our possessions. Right. And like trusting the world to care for us. Right. Oh, Okay. And it's not, right? No. Like, I'm being facetious to a yeah, point. Of but course. I think, but I think sometimes we, we decide that, that faith, living in faith is like some big dramatic thing. And most of us are called to live out in faith in very incremental and significant ways and that, you, that don't sound great in a testimony. Absolutely. So, so this reminds me of a conversation I've been having with some folks on Twitter about, I feel like a lot of people are waiting for the Disney villain to show up. Like they think that there will be a Disney villain with <laughs> fantastic hair and an elaborate wardrobe mm-hmm. who they can take down. Right. And that once you take down the Disney villain, the, you're done. All is good. But like the Disney villain is not coming. Mm-mm. And what we have is a systemic problem. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the way that you address a, a systemic problem is not by having one big battle and calling it good. This is not the Chronicles of Narnia. Or it's, Harry Potter. It's a constant underground... Mm-hmm internal and communal uh dedication Mm -hmm. it's every day every day every day um making the incremental differences that you can in order to affect the bigger picture but it's not always you know this big walloping exciting scene from a movie sometimes it's you know the movie is much more like when frodo gets lost in the rocks at lord of the rings and much less like when he takes down you know the bad guy right just that you're just wandering for a while and trying to be consistent and good and faithful and loving and wise and to make decisions based on what's best for everyone and where God's calling you to. 
Um, and that's not always splashy. No. Parker Palmer, I think, puts this really, really well. He's a educator, theologian type. And he says um, that we step into what he calls the tragic gap. The hmm. gap between what is and what could and should be. And that that's faith. That we, we continually step into that gap. Um, hold the tension. See the possibilities. Name the truth. Seek justice. Seek peace. And name the call that God has for us and for our communities and for this world. Yeah. That's good. I'm, yeah. I mean, that's that's good and it's hard. It's hard because it's not a simple answer, right? Like we really want the whole, if you do A and, and do X, B, y, and Z will happen. happen, right? And and I think that's, that's what Jeremiah is saying. That's not how this works. Yeah. God's a lot more complicated. We're a lot more complicated. We're here. Let's let's let let's stop moaning about what could have been, and let's be in what is, so that we can be a part of what God is doing through that. And even as He does it very dramatically and very over the top, and <laughs> uh, that also reminds me of somebody was joking around and they said, "I just can't wait until I'm watching the documentary of all of this." Mm-hmm. Like. I don't want to be here right now. I want to be 10 or 20 years from now watching the documentary about mm-hmm. all of this because then I'll know that it, it has all turned out okay, mm. basically. And we're thinking like, yeah, when you step into that gap, you don't know what could or should be. You don't know the whole truth, as mm-hmm. you say. Mm-hmm. But it would be a real pity if we couldn't also find some joy along the way. Yeah. yeah. Like if we were if we were not enjoying the journey just as much as the destination. Right. And I think that's part of... Part of what you're saying. Yeah. Well, and I think, I think, I think it's, it's reflected in the text a little bit that there's even this kind of throwdown. They record it this way, right? You can read it straight, right? You can read you can that read whole all the way through. amen. They're not so, hiding that there's some dissent among the right? crowd. When you read the text, you realize that the story has been passed down that way. Like to me, it could sound serious, right? But it's that, that way in literature that the author kind of goes, mm-hmm. No, twists twists it a little bit. Plot twist, but but not even a whole plot twist. Just a little like, I you need to be paying attention. Yeah. Right. And it's sort of like it's the flip remark in 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 some in you know that's literature that just sticks with you, and somehow the story that Jeremiah tells or that there's told about Jeremiah includes the sort of like as you said at the beginning this sassy little thing, right? Yeah. Can you imagine sitting there watching may, this? May it be so. May it be so. Right? Idiot. Idiot. Right? <laughs> right? May the Lord fulfill the words that you have prophesied, right? Like, if, if everything's going to be all right, I'm okay with that, but here's what I see. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. But but just a little bit of, like you say, joy. Because yeah. there is some there's some humor in that. There's some, there is. Well, going and, back to your baptism story, like, it would be a shame if we knew 15 years from now this kid's going to be a jerkwad. And right. so therefore, we just didn't baptize we him. didn't, yeah, or we didn't pay attention to the kindness that he had when he was five or the humor that he mm-hmm. developed at seven when he started telling jokes, jokes that made no sense. That's right. Or, you know, like all, yeah. all those little steps along the way that are still part of who that person right. is. Right, right, This is This happened, I, and I didn't include it in the sermon, but it was really funny. One of the other little boys in the church uh-huh. who's good buddies with this baby because they're all in the nursery together, but he's... Three, he decided that he had to be a part of the showing off of the baby. So he was literally like stuck to my side. Like I was tripping over him. Aw. But he already, he already got it, right? This, this is, is my baby. This is my baby, right? He and has a little brother. I'm going to take care of him. 
yeah, I'm going to take care of him. And I want you to know him. And, and I want you to know him. And he, you know, and he feels like. He's you know, part of the action. He's part of the action. And, he is part of the and action. And you go. Because in five years, that little baby uh-huh. is going to look up to that kid yeah. more than he's going to look up to any but, adult. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, and all those connections are already there. And yeah. So anyway. I just, just got the teach your children well song stuck in my head. <laughs> But there was joy in the midst, you know, there's joy in the midst of all of those things. Yeah. And, you know, I could have, you know, we could have seen that as a, a drawback, but I see it as a really, a, play, you know, a, a joy that here's this little, this other little kid who already claims this place is his. So. And Jeremiah gives you permission, if all else fails, to use snark. Yeah. Just a little bit. Just resort to not snark. Not passive aggressiveness. Not horrible. Not just mean. Just a little snark. Just a little snark. Yeah. Well, thanks, Susan. And thanks for listening to the Sunday Morning Sleep In Podcast. If you have questions for us or stories that relate to what we've been talking about today, uh, shoot us an email. We're at sundaymorningsleepin at gmail.com. You can find us on sundaymorningsleepin.com. We're on Facebook. The scripture for this podcast is Jeremiah 28 verses 5 through 9. And the music that you're hearing right now is Take Me Higher by Jazzer. So at the end of every worship service and now every podcast, we give you a blessing. (laughs) The blessing I have for you today is to step out, to step into that gap. This is called the Sunday morning sleep in. That doesn't mean you get to stay asleep. Yeah. This is a this is a way station. This is a pause. A distraction while you're running grocery errands. Right. But the call that God has for us is constant mm-hmm. and consistent. Mm-hmm. It may change, but God is consistently calling you. And that that we are to step out into that gap and live into the future and hope and pray and live faith that we we are joining God. And not a false prophet, but we're going to find out. Yeah. And when we follow the false, when we realize we're not on the right track, we change course. course direction. So if that's what you need to do, do that this week. Amen. Amen. Amen.